The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. The 2-2. Swing and a miss. He struck him out as Stanton goes down. And that's eight strikeouts for Shane McClanahan. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. First pitch to him. Line back up the middle, but there is Franco. To the left of the bag, he turns and throws him out, and the Rays have won it in Atlanta. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our latest show. Today, you'll hear from team MVP Shane McClanahan and pitching coach Kyle Snyder. Dave is back, and he'll join Andy and I to discuss the past week. We'll visit with minor league managers Blake Butera and Jeff Smith on winning championships. Plus, minor league award winners Carson Williams and Junior Caminero stop by. And good friend Todd Callis will be with us and talk about what makes the Astros so tough. Coming up, Shane McClanahan on being team MVP and pitching coach Kyle Snyder. You're listening to This Week in Race Baseball, and this is the Race Baseball Network. We continue on This Week in Race Baseball. Our future guest is the MVP of the Tampa Bay Rays this year, as voted by the baseball writers, and that is Shane McClanahan. Shane, congratulations, and thanks very much for a few minutes. Uh, thank you for having me now. Tell me what it means when you hear the word MVP next to your name in this season. It's weird. Um, you know, like I said earlier, I think there's a, to be singled out like this, is, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting for me because I feel like there's so many, so many more deserving players on this team who, who contribute so much on and off the field. And so to be recognized amongst a great group of guys like that is it's very humbling. Does it mean more because of you feel there are so many guys that you think are deserving? Yeah, I'm kind of blown away, to be honest with you. When I, when I was told, I was, I was like, are you sure? Like, um, I was kind of taken aback, and it, it's very crazy for me to think about and uh, just really, really thankful for this. I think part of the reason that you're obviously valuable is because the way the team can use the pitching staff around you because you've been fairly consistent all year long in terms of giving the team length on the days you throw. Yeah, um, you know, ultimately that's been my only goal, control what I can control, go deep into ball games, and help this team win a lot of games. And maybe necessarily things haven't gone my way the last couple of times, but you know, I'm doing everything I can to compete and do my best. What have you liked most about the way you've grown so far this year and the way you have improved? I think the, uh, my mental game. You know, I think last year as a, as a rookie and kind of being thrust in a position of uh, leadership and, you know, uh, the role I had, it, it was very daunting at first. And, you know, I've, I've absolutely learned to embrace it and love that role and take full responsibility. And, you know, I love that feeling of, uh, you know, being that guy that the team might rely on or need in certain situations. And so I, I think the mental strength, you know, the learning from failures, learning from successes is uh, what I think has taken the biggest jump this year for me. We've talked about that in the past and the impact that Justin has had on you. How has he helped you embrace that role and be able to stay in the moment? He helps me every day. And uh, just like he helps a lot of people on this team every single day. And, you know, Justin is that confidant. He is our mental skills coach that absolutely sets, sets another bar for us. Like, he helps us achieve things we didn't really know were even possible mentally, like on the field, off the field. And I, 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 I know a lot of guys, including myself, owe a lot of success to Justin Sua. What are some of the ways that personally it helps you grow? It, it, it's so unique. It, it, it is very individualistic, and Justin finds what makes a person unique and helps them strengthen their weaknesses and hone in their strengths. And I think that's the beauty of baseball is that, you know, this game's a game of failure, and you have to understand that it's a part of the game and 
be able to learn from those failures more than you learn from your successes is it's it's in my opinion it's it's invaluable and so it's it's it'd be like taking the making the best of a bad situation in everyday life you know say your car breaks down and trying to find the positive in it and justin helps you find the positive how have you grown because of some of that and your own doing obviously as a leader i've grown a lot um my maturity you know my willingness to come to the field every day and not take it for granted and whether it's in the locker room on the field and in the dugout you know i'm always trying to be a great teammate to everybody and you know trying to help this team win a lot of games and it's one thing to be let's say an mvp on a team that isn't in the position that this club is in but to be in a on a team that is on the precipice of another playoff berth how important is that i think it's everything you know i mean this is what we all play for was what we all want and to get back to the playoffs and you know to be a, to be named team of or mvp of a team that is in the hunt and you know it's getting hungry at the right time i think it's very special I think one thing that stands out as I watch you over the course of the year is accountability. When did that become important to you, and why is it so important to you? You know, I, I think there was a time um, where I, you know, if I failed, I, I, I might not have been able to really handle it or taken ownership of that failure of my doing. And, you know, you just, I think there's a certain time point of your life where you just stop feeling bad for yourself and just got to roll with it and be like, yeah, I did it. I I own it and move on and I'm going to learn from it. And so I think it's it's way less exhausting owning it and trying to work from it than dwelling on it and trying to deny it. So when did that change and how did that change? Cuz that's not an easy thing to do. And I think and I think for especially for athletes, I think sometimes it's hard to be a really good self-evaluator at times and you're really good at that. I uh, I'm very tough on myself. I'm very tough on myself. You know, I uh I think that the, the levels of standards I have for myself are a little bit too high but I know that about myself and while it may not be attainable I'm never going to lower them because I feel like that's what makes me special is is that my goals are so high and I might not get there but I'm gonna do everything I can to get there so and where does that come from I don't know I uh I think everybody has that belief in themselves and those standards I mean if I've always had the saying if you're gonna go go you know why am I gonna want to be average why am I gonna want to be you know, mediocre. I mean, if I'm going to do something, I want to be really good at it and be the best I can. And whatever, whatever that definition of best I can is and how good I can be, whatever that is, if, as long as it's the best I can be, I, I consider that to be a success in my mind because everybody's definition of success and talent is different. And so whatever I can be to be my best personally, that's my, that's my goal. I know how proud your mom and dad are of you. What did they say when you told them, hey, I'm team MVP? They were pretty proud. They were pretty proud. And uh, so, uh, yeah, that was always that was a really fun phone call. Is that top for them being at the All-Star game with you? Or what was your what was kind of the reaction? Where did that? I don't know. They're pretty good at hiding their cards sometimes. If I had to rank it, it'd probably be my debut when I told them I was getting called up to the big leagues. Opening day starter all-star game this you closed the home schedule after opening the home schedule for this group does that mean something to you we kind of put a stamp because you guys have won over 50 games as a group at home this year that's a lot yeah um i'm honored you know i I, anytime you can get that opening day nod and that that last game of the year at home nod it's uh hopefully not the last game at home but for the regular season but yeah I'm, i'm honored you know i didn't even realize it worked out like that so yeah, you know, I'm very excited, and uh, you know, I'm excited for more baseball. We're going to hear from Kyle in a little bit. 
but about you on this show, but tell me what he has meant to you this year and overall. Kyle's meant a lot to me. Um, my development on and off the field, um, mentally too, and uh, you know, Kyle's a, Kyle's a very important figurehead in a lot of our lives, and we're lucky to have him as our pitching coach and you know, kind of a mentor. And for you, for this season, to finish the way you want, I know how high you set the bar. Is it like World Series or bust, or, or how do you view it? Because I know you have such a high bar for yourself and the group. got to control what you can control. That's my goal. To be honest with you, you got to control what you can control and let the things fall into place. And as long as you give it 100% effort, you can leave it all out on that field and be all right. That is the race. Shane McClanahan voted by the Tampa Bay baseball writers as race MVP. I asked Shane's pitching coach, Kyle Snyder, what has made Shane's season so impressive. Remarkably consistent and really gave our team, like, it's just the, the feeling of having the opportunity to win every day when he took the mound was palpable in the dugout, and that's certainly still the case now. How did it change how you could manage the pitching staff, not only on the day he pitched, but maybe even the day before and after he pitched? Well, he, the, you know, the inning consistency, especially um, you know, the first four months of the season, just provided us, you know, a little bit of that, the, just the flexibility given the fact that we knew he was pitching basically into the seventh inning every time out. Uh, it was a lot like what Glasnow provided the first half of last year. Um, and just given how creative we can be, you know, trying to put all of our pitchers in positions to be successful from Yarbs in his role to multi-inning relievers, it just gave us a lot more stability, you know, knowing that you were going to get you know, seven innings out of Shane, the way that he was pitching. Was there a point during the year where you realized how big a step he had taken or where you're like, wow, he's really found another gear? I would say the point in the season was probably six or eight weeks in where the stuff that was just sustaining itself and, and specifically velocity, but it was actually building and it was growing and as his stuff kept just getting better where the previous season not his first full season. He was at the ATS for the month of April in 2021. But, you know, there was a point you could see that maybe the intensity and some of what led to his first, you know, season in the big leagues and the disruption that the pandemic had had, et cetera, with some of these guys' year-over-year workloads, you could see that the intensity might have had an effect on his overall, you know, the trend line of the stuff. But once we were two months into this season and the stuff was doing the exact opposite of what it had done basically at the 100 inning mark the previous year, it was pretty obvious, you know, that he had laid a really, really good foundation for the season, was taking tremendous care of himself, and and it was translating between the lines. When you talk about someone who's a most valuable player, the impact is greater than what they do on the field. So what impact has he had off the field and how has it impacted others? Well, uh, I mean, the impact that, that, that he's had, that Corey's had with him, you know, the just the confidence, overall confidence of knowing that you have a guy with that talent and that productivity, you know, every fifth or sixth day uh, just brings a lot of confidence to the team. But, you know, he's, he's matured in so many different ways, Neil. There's humility there. You know, there's understanding that, you know, games, even like last game, you know, are opportunities to learn. It's tough to learn from outings when you go seven innings, one hit, 11 Ks, no walks. 
but he still finds the things to you know that he could harp on that he needs to improve by and that's really just a mark of a guy that's that, that's going to pitch at the highest level for a really long time you know provided his health watching him over the last year the thing that stands out to me is his accountability is he as accountable as you've had in terms of a starting pitcher for sure and there's been a ton of growth in that area as well like taking responsibility right is is really one of the bigger steps a major leaguer can take it's a tough game it's it's at the highest level i mean you're, you're playing against the best of the best and you know understanding you know what what you were responsible for and taking ownership of that gives all these guys the best opportunity to be able to adjust and go forward what is his next frontier if there is one I think just kind of continuing to grow and, 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 and understanding from start to start what could be refined, you know, how to better recover, how to, how to better just, you know, take care of, you know, one of the best left-handed arms in the game. And, you know, are there more pitches to refine or add on the horizon? We'll remain curious, but I think under the circumstances, you got a, a one of the most talented pitchers in the game, you know, on the on the Rays in the Rays rotation right now. So, and with the team on the precipice of qualifying for a postseason, how much did last year's postseason do you think spur what he did this year? Ooh, uh, considerably, and and he's talked about that from spring training, uh, even through last outing. You know, is is, is something that had motivated him and just. His overall performance in the postseason, I, I think he fails to remember that he went five shutout against Boston in the first game as well. So, um, you know, it's important that, you know, I, as uh, just one of the guys that is responsible for him, remind him of those types. But, you know, we know where we have the potential of, of securing a postseason spot and, and having him in our rotation potentially for multiple times in a series is going to be a tremendous, tremendous benefit. And that is great stuff from Rays pitching coach Kyle Snyder on Team MVP Shane McClanahan. Coming up, Dave is back. He's with Andy. Plus, we'll celebrate our minor league championships, too. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. We continue on This Week in Rays Baseball with a look at the minor league side. And the Rays already have two championship teams, and they won in back-to-back years. Charleston and Bowling Green. Bowling Green managed by Jeff Smith. Jeff, congratulations on winning another title. I really appreciate it. Well, it was something else. I, the, the kids definitely earned it, deserved it, and uh, went through uh, two uh, two game threes in both of them, and I uh, came out on top. What made this particular group special? I know anytime you win a championship, you yeah. have a good team. I, I, th- I think this year for us in particular is just the amount of players that uh, that we went through. I think it was close to 60 players, 50 or 60 players. And just the amount of movement, you know, a few injuries mixed in, but amount of movement and just really focus on development and getting our players to that next level to double A with all those guys that went up and, and bringing the new group in and just creating chemistry and all, and always having that pitch. And so I think just the job the staff did with create, create with, with new guys daily uh, of creating what we wanted to accomplish. Obviously, you had a lot of really good players. I think with the Rays announcing their minor league awards, Mason Hour comes to mind immediately. You had him for part of this season. The second part, how special was he? You know what? Uh, Mason's one of these guys, very dynamic player, can beat you in all, all three areas of the game. I mean, he can, he can beat you with a long ball. He can beat you with a stolen base. 
and he can beat you in the outfield with his arm and his and, and his speed out there. He's a he's one of those guys. I mean, a five tool player plus that just is a very special uh, talent. As he keeps refining these skills, he's fun to watch because not only does he have his, all that talent, he plays the game the right way and, and extremely hard. So just a joy to have on the team and. And you know you're going to get a, a great effort out of him every night. You had a lot of guys who obviously did really good work. I know what Austin Vernon was able to pick up the win in the the final game that you guys played. He also was another kid who moved up during the year. What did you learn from him during the season? Yeah, and and that last game that we just had in that championship with the with the pitching we threw at him, it was special. But like you just said, Austin Vernon, kind of the three uh, three and a third innings he gave us in the middle right there. What was something him coming out of the pen? And it was explosive, you know. And in Austin, this is a kind of a first year full season, still kind of learning the pro the, the pro side of it in terms of just you know pitching once or twice every week and learning the routines in between. But I tell you what, when he gets on the mound, you're not going to find too many more competitive individuals when he's out there. He's got a four plus uh, four pitch mix. A fastball in the upper 90s, but I think the one thing that separates him is his off speed. He's got a plus changeup, so you know he's going to be able to fill a lot of roles going forward. Whether it be whether it's a starter like he was this year, a ball guy or a bullpen guy, he can really uh, fill all three roles. Who are some of the arms that really stood out to you, Jeff? That stayed with you, or at least were with you at the end of the year beyond Austin? I know you had some pretty impressive ones, without a doubt. And, I, and obviously, you know, us sending up uh, Mason Montgomery early—that was kind of the ace of the staff to start out with. But guys just stepped right in afterwards and you know i i think it's our three starters that really come to mind right off the bat that we use in the in the playoffs from molina uh workman and then the people's all of them a little different molina being the youngest uh of those guys right there had really come a long way he's probably he's got to be our league leader i mean not league leader sorry organizational leader probably in wins this year because he went from bullpen to starter and now a starter with it with a plus fastball good changeup. and then you got logan workman first time this year uh full season for him could be a, a, a three-pit mix that really knows how to pitch and, and the velocity is very deceptive because he can go from 95 and above and the, and the last one obviously is people's and I, I had never seen him pitch until his uh, two or three outings before he came up from Charleston, very electric arm. Looks looks very young in the face, but when the arm comes at you, it is a power, power electric arm and, and good things to come. So those three guys really, uh, you know, kind of stood out right there. And then with Menendez, who we got, uh, was hurt last year when, when we acquired him in, in the draft. He comes out and he is an interesting pitcher with three different arm angles, multiple pitches and knows how to compete. And he's done nothing but have success. Uh, wherever we have put him so far in his young career. And on the position player side, in addition to Mason, I know Eriberto Hernandez was the MVP and set records for homers and ribbies for Bowling Green. And it's funny because he he really learned a lot this season. As you said, home run record, RBI record, which is both those are extremely difficult to do. But the thing that I really was impressed with him at is he went through a tough stretch in the middle. I mean, you look at his overall numbers, it's close to 260. It's multiple home runs, multiple RBIs. But we also talk about a stretch of almost a, you know, a two to 40 or a two for 50 stretch in the middle, which, you know, a player usually goes through something like that. How are they going to come out of it? And he just, he stayed the course and he, he fought through it. But what, what he gives you is he is a dynamic bat that every time he steps to the plate, he really has. I, you know, the, we, we use the old term that light, light, light tower power, and he really does. He can hit the ball a long ways. So he's dangerous. And as he keeps playing and getting more at bats, we're going to see more and more out of him. Are there others who you also thought really stood out? 
Yeah, you know, it, it, was, it was very neat because a lot of our, you know, the, the position players that we had that first half and into the second half, a lot of them went up to that double-A level. And I think it's probably the whole, most of the infield that's up there right now with Manzardo and Basabi, Simon and Fonte were kind of the guys that moved up. And I'd hate to admit you even come close to, uh, to not mentioning Manzardo in, in, in our season from beginning to end. And uh, probably one of the more e- elite hitters that I've managed or seen. This is my 27th year in pro ball as, as a player, as a coach, and he really is a special talent at the plate. And he's really come a long way defensively, base run all the way. But, but at, with the bat, it is a special bat, advanced strike zone knowledge, um, wins every pitch. Uh, it just it can go on and on what he can do with the bat. And we're, we're, gonna, we're real fortunate to have him in our system. And, you know, Basabi really another, another guy that, beginning to end and both of them are doing real well up in double a uh real real good bat to ball skills and really can hit almost any pitch that's thrown up there and and i think the guys in the playoffs for us we, we had some guys you know like you said the hour and um uh, really, really kind of stood out for us in hernandez but I, I think we have some guys that you know that came a long way during the playoffs during the co- course of the season two with a value who we got in the, in the, in the texas trade and also, you know, guys like Tanner Murray and, and Johan Lopez, both two guys that kept on plugging became big parts of that uh, team as the, as the season went on. So a really, really a team effort when it, when it came to the win side at the end. And that is Bowling Green manager Jeff Smith. The Hot Rods, one of two full-season race affiliates to win a title this week. Charleston won 92 games between the regular season and postseason. We'll hear from Blake Buter in a bit. Time now to talk about the week gone by. Andy is still down on the field getting his pregame work done, but we're a pleasure to have Dave back in the booth. First of all, great to see you, and how are you? I'm doing I'm doing pretty good, thanks. And uh, it is good to be back. And, uh, you know, even if just a couple of innings today, I guess I'm the opener, but... Uh, you know, again, good to see Kevin was just downstairs with Dr. Alex Johnson, who's the team cardiologist who's been overseeing a lot of the things that have uh, been going on with me. And uh, he was he, he he's keeping a close eye on me as well. But uh, it's great to be back. And, and, you know, I know it's the last regular season home game, but hopefully it's not the last time we're here at Tropicana Field. No question. We certainly missed you and we're glad that you're back in the booth today and, and uh, hopefully sooner than later. Um, you know, I think I, I speak for all of us in that regard. Well, you know, again, it's been a pleasure to uh, be able to listen to you and, and Andy. And like I've said many, many times, I think from the time we start our pregame show to the time we do our postgame show, I think we've got the best broadcast in all of Major League Baseball. And it's because of the depth that you provide in both the pregame postgame. And then when you uh, fill in for one of us, which you've had to do now a few times yep. here in 2022, uh, we don't skip a beat, uh, no pun intended. So uh, it's uh, one of those things where I appreciate everything you've done here to uh, allow me to kind of relax and make sure that uh, I'm, I'm good to go now that uh, I'm back here at Tropicana. Yes, and I know you're being watched closely, so that's great too, and you're in uh, incredible hands. Um, tell us, uh, today is a big day. I mean, for you, obviously, it's great to have you in the booth. For the team, this is a chance to win a series and basically put destiny in your hands the rest of the way in terms of uh, the final road trip. Well, you want to keep it in your hands. You don't want to have to depend on other teams. And, uh, you know, I know that in listening to you and Andy here for the last few days talking about the Cleveland uh, Guardians who have been mm-hmm. playing really, really well and are on the verge of maybe clinching the American League Central, you know, it's not like you guys have said that there's a 40-man roster then to choose from where you can rest all nine guys and just play a bunch of guys who have been playing in AAA for a few days. you still got to play your regulars mm-hmm. because you don't have that luxury any longer. So when we go into uh, in Cleveland here in the next couple of days, you're going to run into a really, really good team, and Houston still might be playing for home field. But, again, uh, even after they clinched uh, – 
the division here last week or earlier in the week, they still had to play most of their regulars every day. So nothing's going to come easy for this Rays team over this final uh, seven or eight games, uh, nine games of the regular season after today. So go out there today. Hope that uh, I think the things that I'm going to be looking for is let's see if we get Shane McClanahan back on uh, track after a little bit of a bumpy outing his last time. He's pitched well against the Blue Jays in the past. Uh, we've got a couple of guys in the bullpen who have uh, stubbed their toe here over the last few days. We need to get them right. And then, as I have always said, and I know fans might be, uh, maybe the fact that I've been gone for a couple weeks, they haven't heard it as much, but this is the time of year where your best players have to be your best players. And uh, we're missing a couple of our best players. Without mm-hmm. Brandon Lau being there, uh, that's going to hurt because Brandon, and i got to be careful how I say this because he is not Aaron Judge, but he's our Aaron Judge in our lineup. He means that much to our lineup when he's swinging the bat the way that he is capable of swinging the bat. You don't just automatically replace 40 homers and 100 runs batted in by going and getting a guy from AAA Durham. So he, he's been missed. That that thump has been missed. The Rays have not been uh, hitting the ball out of the ballpark since September, and I think it's one of the reasons why uh, outside of maybe about an eight- or nine-game stretch, they've had uh, a tough time putting a lot of runs up on the board because they just don't come very easy thanks to the two- and three-run homer. And they're missing Yadi Diaz the last five days, which certainly has meant a lot, too. I mean, it was amazing to me they scored 10 runs in back-to-back games without him. It was nice to see, and uh, you know, and that's nice to see Wander Franco swinging the bat the way that he's been swinging the bat here lately. And, uh, you know, looking at the Rays, uh, top part of the order, Manuel Margot, you'd like to see him getting going again. Uh, he's, he's been, you know, getting some bunt singles and some hits here and there. But, you know, nice to see Wander and Randy. It's kind of like mm-hmm. what we saw last year in the postseason where it was Wander and Randy and then a couple of guys every once in a while helping out. But for this team to get to where it wants to go, and that's maybe secure the uh, the top wild card spot, we're going to need more than Wander and Randy going forward, that's for sure. No question. And and look, if Shane is Shane today, obviously you give yourself a great chance. And I saw the smile on the face of Tyler Glass now in the clubhouse when we chatted with him earlier this morning. And boy, I think that's a shot in the arm too, psychologically for this team when he pitches on Wednesday in Cleveland. Let's hope so. I mean, and you know, go out there and pitch the way that he's capable of pitching. And you know, in talking with Kevin Cash before the game a little bit here today, I asked him. I said, "What's the the dream scenario?" for Glass now after Wednesday. And he said, plain and simple, he's going to be our every fifth day guy. We're not going to wander from that. He goes, now maybe, just maybe, if we get to the World Series and we're in the final few games, and and then he stopped. But uh, I think, again, they're going to be very, very careful because it's not just about 2022 for Tyler Glass now. It's about 2022, 23, 24, and beyond for a real special talent. But it's it's it could be a nice shot in the arm for the Rays if he can go out there and maybe give the Rays close to three innings against the Guardians on Wednesday. And, uh, and then who knows, maybe a little more in his next or final start. And then that's a nice little option to have to either open a game or, uh, you know, again, go out there and give you at least the first four innings a couple times through the order if he can stay healthy and be a part of this uh, raise uh, rotation going forward. Because, as you know, especially in that wild card round, you're in a best of three. If you have Shane McClanahan, Tyler Glass, no, even Jeffrey Springs, the way he has pitched the better part of this year, uh, and some guys who were starting maybe pitching out of the bullpen in the postseason, at least in that series, it leaves you some pretty good depth. <laughs> I mean, how about a Drew Rasmussen Tyler Glasnow combination, or, mm. Drew Ra- or a uh, you know Jeffrey Springs Tyler Glasnow combination? That's uh, pretty darn good. So, you know, Drew's pitched really, really well yesterday. He had just that little hiccup, but uh, uh, again, the bullpen couldn't uh, you know hold, or else he might have had an even better number uh, line at the end of the day. So, it, it's nice to be able to think about what Tyler Glasnow can bring to this team. 
here going forward. And the other part, too, like you were saying, you know, when you start to manipulate your roster toward that first uh, wild card series, it's a three-game set, so you don't need all your starters. You can maybe, you know, again, load up on maybe 10 or 11 or 12 different uh, bullpen guys. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see of the regular players, uh, the position players, who's going to make that particular uh, roster and not. Uh, there are some guys who have been struggling a little bit here offensively, but uh, hopefully, uh, you know, again, uh, I know that these guys are probably already working on if they face this left-handed lineup, face this right-handed lineup, face this team, this is who they're talking about uh, lining up as far as their 26 men for the playoffs that uh, I think are almost assured of happening. It's just a matter of when the Rays can uh, put that to bed. But uh, right now, I, this, this team should still be fighting for the top wild card spot, mm-hmm. and they control their own destiny for sure if they win today. Certainly. And and look, if they have a great 10 games and they end up as the home wild card team, I think it's a distinct advantage if they win today. It's 52 home wins. I mean, that's a lot of... Even some of the best teams that the Rays have had in terms of division winners haven't had that kind of success at home. Well, it's, It means a lot. We know that that team in the third base dugout, the Toronto Blue Jays, do not like playing here. I mean, they mm-hmm. play on a similar surface at uh, Rogers Center and everything else like that, but we have been their, uh, their, their albatross here for the last uh, decade plus, and yeah, they had a couple of really good years where they got to the postseason and uh, did some damage there while the Rays were down. But when the Rays have been up and they've been trying to be up, they've had a tough time getting through the Rays. So that's why I think today's such a big game. I think, again, you're able to tie them back up within the uh, the wild card race. And then you also look at the season series and you say, boys, you guys lost uh, 11 of the 19 games and you had a lot of trouble in this particular part. The last thing you want is to give the Blue Jays some momentum going into the postseason knowing that they've won the last two games in this facility. I got a minute. Uh, not that we have a choice. Who would you like to see the Rays play of the teams, that it, whether it's Seattle, Toronto, or Cleveland? I think I'm with you guys, what you've been talking about the last few days. Last year, we were trying to pick who we wanted to play, and we thought we were happy to see the Boston Red Sox. <laughs> I, I think the bottom line for me is if the, whoever the Rays play, they've just got to be operating on all cylinders. And we've got to get some more offensive uh, people involved. It can't be just Wander and Randy. It, it, you know, it's got to be... Uh, you, you know, you got to hope that uh, Yandi is back healthy. And then, you know, of the uh, of the other guys that are kind of roaming around, you know, David Peralta is a guy that I'm still waiting for him to provide a little thump. He still has not had a home run as a member of the Rays. So uh, I'm going to go back to what I said. I don't care. I don't care who we play. It's just that while we're playing in the postseason, our best players need to be our best players. Let's hope it starts today. Dave, great to see you in the booth. We look forward to having you back on the broadcast today and hopefully many more to come. Good to be back. And Neil, again, great job, man. Way to go. Thank you. That is uh, Dave Wills. And uh, as mentioned, on the minor league side for the race, Charleston, the winningest affiliate, 92 victories between the regular season and postseason. They won a championship. Their manager is Blake Putera. Blake, thanks very much for a few minutes. Yeah, absolutely, Neil. Tell me what it meant to win a title and about this group this year. This is a special group we had. You know, obviously we end up on top and super fortunate to be surrounded by incredible staff, incredible players. Our roster top to bottom was one of the best I've ever seen and or been a part of. So it was a special way to cap off the season. Let's touch on some of those individuals, maybe beginning with Carson Williams, who first round pick his first year out of high school was really the anchor of your group. Yeah, he, he posted every day. You know, he didn't really miss any games due to injury. And obviously with it being his first uh, first full season, playing 132 games, pretty special kid to be able to go out there day in and day out, even with some nicks and bruises and, and, and post up every day and play an outstanding shortstop for us. Not to mention he hit second for us all year and was one of our best hitters as well. 
Willie Vasquez is a kid who it's not his first year, but it's his first full year of pro ball. And I know he started slow, but it seemed like he really came on. Yeah, Willie, uh, his season was a, you know, a tale of two two halves. First half, like you mentioned, started off slow. You know, ha- ha- was dealing with some adversity for the first time in his life and really proud of the way he was able to, once we hit that halfway part, kind of flush the first half and move on and start fresh. And his second half was incredible. You know, another guy who I think had a really big impact on your group this year was Shane Sasaki. How did he grow? Because this is really the first chance he also has had to play full season ball. And it looked like he took off, at least statistically. Yeah, I was so happy for Shane this year. You know, like you mentioned, his first season to play uh, a full season. You know, he's he's dealt with some injuries, some uh, circumstances that were not ideal for Shane in his first few years in the organization. So I was so happy to see him be healthy and be able to go out there day in and day out and play. And the more you watch Shane play, the, the more you fall in love with him. Uh, the way he plays the game, he plays hard every day. Started to grow into some power this year, which was really great to see. Junior Caminero is a kid who was the top player on the Florida Complex League team, but he was so good that they advanced him. What impressed you the most about him? I know I think he had, what, one playoff game where he had a four-hit game. Special kid. Junior's going to play this game for a long time. The bat is special. The makeup, he's an incredible kid, loves to work, super polite, gets along with all of his teammates. And when he's up there in the box, you know, it's one of those one of those guys where you just want to sit back and watch and enjoy watching him hit because it's that special. And you had a couple of draft picks who started to impact your team at the end of the year when the FCL season ended. Brock Jones in the outfield and also Dom Keegan behind the plate. You know, it's not easy for those guys um, coming off a college season to one, both of them played uh, postseason baseball this year in college. So their seasons were, were really long. And then you go through the ups and downs of the of the draft and not knowing where you're going to go. And then you get drafted and you sign and they go to Florida. They're at the complex and they come up to us. It's a lot of moving parts. So just to kind of get their feet wet and get them acclimated, acclimated is a plus for us. Uh, and then on top of that, both of them performed incredibly well for us and helped us win this thing. And obviously you don't do it. We've touched on a lot of position players, but you don't do it without good pitching. And J.J. Goss, I know, uh, gave you some kind of performance in the clinching game, and he really came on the second half of the year after dealing with injuries uh, the last season. It was really fun to watch J.J. Like you mentioned, the second half of the season, especially for J.J., is when he kind of started to turn the corner. I think he started to get some confidence in his abilities and also finally felt healthy and trusted that he was healthy. Uh, went out there and, and did what he does well. And there's a reason why we took him that high in the draft. And he showed us, you know, he was he was our horse the last month, the two months of the season. And we would not be holding that trophy at the end of the year if it wasn't for JJ. Blake, you mentioned how talented you thought this group was this year. I know at Class A, they're still a long ways away. But how many potential big leaguers do you think this roster had during the year? As a staff, it's funny. We looked at our our nine, and we obviously compare them to other teams we're playing. And there's not a team in this league where we would we would trade the guys on our team for their guys. And and you know, you look top to bottom in the lineup, one through nine. And I think you could realistically say that all nine of these guys have a chance to play in the big leagues. And some guys that didn't even get in the lineup for us have a chance to play in the big leagues. This is as good and as deep of a lineup and roster that I've ever seen or been a part of. And that is Charleston manager Blake Butera coming up. Some Rays minor league award winners, plus Astros broadcaster and a former Ray himself and Todd Callis. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. 
Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. Hey, this week the Rays announced their minor league award winners, Carson Williams. Carson Williams has had a fantastic season. He was the first-round pick of Tampa Bay a year ago. The shortstop led Charleston to a title, and he also was named the Rays Defensive Player of the Year. It's, it's truly an honor. It's, uh, it's a mixture of a lot of hard work and a lot of great coaching, and um, I, I, I'm, I, I can't be as grateful as I am. Tell me how you improved defensively, because this is your first time in a full-season league. I think defensively it's all about reps. It really is, and getting a feel for what bounce you need to pick and what you need to stay back on, and it's, uh, it's just gaining, it's gaining a lot of feel through reps and, uh, and games. What do you see as your strengths as a shortstop right now? And now that you've been through a long year, how do you want to get better next year? My strengths right now are just uh, hands and arm strength. And then what I'd like to get better at next year is feet and uh, staying through the wall. And tell me a little bit about the championship that you guys won and what it meant. I mean, we got a great group of guys in Charleston and uh, a lot of guys that came before as well that went up. And it was just overall an amazing team. And I had no doubt that we were going to go a long way. You won 92 games this year. I mean, have you had a chance to kind of digest that? It's, it's, it, re it really is special, that team, and uh, we just we worked really well together, and we, we got a lot of wins. You know, I talked to Blake Butera, your manager, and he thought it was maybe the most talented group he's been around. Can you speak to some of the talent that you had around you and maybe someone who you felt was really, really impressive among your teammates? Oh, absolutely. We had guys like Willie Vasquez, Mason Hour, Drew Baker that were, that were there and went up, Bobby Seymour, another he's amazing first baseman, Junior Caminero came up. One guy that was truly special, though, was Shane Sasaki. And he started off the year a little slow. He made adjustments, and he had an amazing year. It was, it was really special. A bunch of stolen bases, ended up hitting for a little bit of power at the end of the year, and he, I, I hit after him, and I knew I was getting up because he was always on base. Well, you put up some pretty good offensive numbers in addition to being a defensive player of the year for the organization. How pleased were you with your first year in the system from that end? Very pleased, but at the end of the day, there's always stuff that you got to work on, and I know I got a lot of stuff to work on for next year. So, what did you like, and how do you want to grow? I love the overall competition and being able to play every day because of the chances and repetitions that you get. Next year, a lot of the stuff that I'm going to be focusing on is uh, is at the plate and with my approach and just becoming a better overall baseball player. Physically, how did you handle your first year? And I know you grew a lot physically from last year to this year. Are there, do you want to add weight? Do you want to stay where you are? What's kind of your off-season plan? Bigger, faster, stronger. That's uh, that's that's uh, that's where I'm going to be at next year. That's all. That's all I could say. So, how, do you have a, a number in mind, like how much you want to add in terms of weight, or because now you get used to playing in the heat of Charleston after this year, and obviously some of the other affiliates are going to have the same weather to deal with. Yeah, I'm definitely going to put on some weight, and then uh, a lot of it's going to go towards towards the legs. I feel like I really need to get my legs stronger, and uh, that's going to be my biggest area of improvement. And that is Carson Williams. He not only was defensive player of the year in the race system, but also had double digits in doubles, triples, and home runs. And Carson Williams is a top 100 prospect. And Junior Caminero may be there soon. After being traded from Cleveland in the offseason, Caminero has been quite impressive. I asked Junior, with Jeremy Sanders translating, what it meant to win the race Florida Complex League MVP. Significa muy bien para mí el trabajo que yo he venido haciendo desde Dominicana y eso y, y por el equipo confía en mí de cambiarme para acá y eso y 
gracias a Dios estamos, estamos trabajando y gracias, gracias al equipo por confiar en mí y poder dar el 100% en el terreno de juego. It's really great for me. It's a it's a reflection of the work that's gone in really since the Dominican Summer League and and I'm really grateful for the opportunity that the organization has given me to perform over here in the states and the support that I got from the rest of my teammates and, and from the staff. What did you learn this year? ¿Qué aprendiste este año? Eh, aprendí la mentalidad, este, aprendí, eh, los momentos malos, siempre los momentos malos van a venir, este, tratar de madurar, tratar de madurar las cosas pequeñas, este, siempre van a venir cosas buenas, cosas malas y tratar de tener siempre un escalón y tratar de sobrellevar las cosas a todo el momento, pase lo que pase. The biggest thing for me this year has been mentality. It's been about being able to weather the bad times. There's going to be good times, there's going to be bad times, and it's about being able to uh, persevere through those to see the next uptick in performance. How did you improve? ¿Cómo mejoraste este año como bateador y en la defensa? Trabajando todos los días con los coaches que siempre tuvimos una oportunidad de siempre todos los días trabajar algo nuevo y aprender algo nuevo. Este, aprendí mucho de cómo hacer la cosa, ¿me entiendes? Este, de ser muy consistente en lo que hago, en mi trabajo, y eso creo que eso, gracias a Dios, y lo estamos logrando y poder seguir trabajando todos los días y, y dar lo mejor de mí, 100%. The biggest thing was being able to work with our coaching staff day in and day out, getting more consistent, getting to work on different things, getting to learn new things every day. The biggest part is just being able to try to improve and to try to get better and give my best, my best 100% every single day. And what do you think are your strengths? ¿Cuáles son tus puntos fuertes? Mi punto fuerte es más el bateo, ese es lo que yo más hago en el juego, batear y gracias a Dios por el don que me dio, pero no confianza, seguir trabajando duro día tras día y seguir mejorando todo lo que tengo que mejorar. Que seguir trabajando todos los días fuerte para seguir mejorando para llegar aquí algún día de mediante. I feel really blessed as a hitter. That's definitely my strong suit. But I want to honor that blessing by uh, giving my all and and really making sure that I'm trying to get better every day because you know none of this is is granted and the goal is to get here uh, with God's permission. You're very young. You were traded a year ago. What did you think when you were traded? Uh, eres muy joven y cambiaste a los tres hace un año. Uh, ¿Qué creíste en ese momento a uh, uh, cambiar a los tres? Eh, mi, eh, mi trabajo que venía haciendo todos los días, desde el día uno que llegué aquí a Estados Unidos y enseñarle al equipo, a la organización, de que me dieran la oportunidad de yo demostrar mi talento y, y gracias a Dios yo me dieron la oportunidad y yo pude demostrar 100% mi talento y gracias a Dios yo confío en mí hoy en día. Really from day one in this organization I've been focused on the work. I've tried to take advantage of the opportunity to play in the United States and show what I can do, reward the organization for the opportunities that they've given to me through my performance. Are you now comfortable, do you think, here? ¿Eres muy cómodo aquí? Sí, me siento muy cómodo. Este, te sabe que es tu negocio y cuando me da la oportunidad siempre estaré dando el 100% de mí porque es todo lo que me gusta y es todo lo que yo siempre soñé de pequeño. I feel really comfortable here now. Um, the thing is that this is still a business and ultimately I want to take advantage of the opportunities that are given to me and realistically the most important thing for me is to be able to say that I gave 100% because this is what I've always dreamed about and, and to have these opportunities is something that I don't take lightly. And finally, you won a championship there. What, what did that mean to you? Uh, finalmente, uh, ganaste un campeonato y casi dos campeonatos. Uh, ¿qué, era, ¿Qué es la significa de eso? 
Eso significa muy bien gracias de mí, ese, gracias a Dios que iba a ganar en la rookie también, el equipo dio lo mejor de, dio lo mejor de nosotros, pude ganar el primer año con Tampa, mi primer anillo, gracias a Dios, y eso me llena muy orgullo de mi trabajo, que yo lo estoy viendo hoy en día, y eso me llena más orgullo de trabajar todos los días más fuerte y con un, un objetivo para llegar aquí. Yeah, I mean, God's allowed us to, to really succeed in, in our first year here in, in the Rays organization. To, to win a ring in the first go-round is really special, and, and ultimately it's a byproduct of the work and, and uh, want to make the most of the opportunity. We certainly did that in year one. And that's Junior Caminero with Jeremy Sanders. Congrats to Junior and all the Rays minor league award winners. Back to the majors where the Rays this week ran into a buzzsaw in the Houston Astros. And I asked longtime Rays and now Astros TV broadcaster Todd Callis about their success. This team has exceeded any of the expectations I had coming out of spring training. I, I really didn't see a 100-win season coming, and they have a chance to, to set the team record with how well they've played this year. It's been special to watch Justin Verlander defy logic at his age coming off Tommy John's surgery to not only be in the consideration for Cy Young but be a favorite for that. Uh, Framber Valdez, who started his career not being very consistent, not able to go deep into games, is now become the model of consist consistency of any starting pitcher in the major leagues. And then the offense, while it's been challenged at times, still has superstar potential and can put up a big number at any point. So you put those things together with the best bullpen in Major League Baseball, and you have the reason why uh, you're looking at the best team in the American League. So what teams or what in the postseason would pose the greatest challenge to Houston in your mind and why? It's a good question. Uh, when I, we were looking at kind of the, the six teams that look like they're going to qualify for the American League, they're kind of broken down into the three teams that don't score a ton of runs, Rays, Mariners, Guardians, and then the three teams that can score a lot of runs, the Astros, uh, the Blue Jays, and the Yankees. And for me, I, I think the scariest team might be the Blue Jays just because they play loose, they play free, they've got some good arms that can that can dent you in a five-game series. So that's the team, if I had to, to pick one of the first-round matchups that would scare me the most. In terms of health, how much has that also played into the fact that Houston is where it is right now? Because it looks like you guys are healthy at the right time and have been healthy much of the time. The whole year. The whole year, the team has, has had incredible health, maybe the best run of health I've seen in a long time. The fact that they've only used eight starting pitchers, one of them got traded at the trade deadline, They've used a six-man rotation. They really haven't had to change and, and change directions much. Uh, they wanted to get Hunter Brown up much earlier than they did, but they didn't have any space for him. Nobody was hurt. Nobody was pitching poorly. When McCullers came off the IL, they sent Seth Martinez down. He didn't deserve to be sent down, but they had to pick somebody. And then he came back, and then when, the, when rosters expanded, and now with Justin Verlander, uh, coming back off the aisle, he goes down again. Seth Martinez, I think, would be on every major league staff somewhere. He's he's very very good. He's and unfortunately, he's a 15th pitcher on a 14 man staff. Their depth is incredible, but their health has been a mainstay of why they've been so successful. You mentioned that at times the offense has had tough runs. Who is the linchpin in your mind of the offense? Is it Jordan Alvarez? Is it Kyle Tucker? Is it Altuve? Is it Bregman? Who's most important? I think Jordan. Jordan's the guy that makes everything happen right in the middle of that lineup. He had a stretch of about five weeks where he wasn't hitting with much power. Had a, a stretch, believe it or not, because he's a threat to hit one out every at-bat, but he had a month and a day where he didn't have any home runs. His hand was bothering him a little bit during that stretch. 
Uh, but when he's on, the rest of the the rest of the lineup kind of cycles through him. Uh, he he's the key. Obviously, Bregman right behind him gives him a lot more protection. The way Bregman's hit in the second half, that's been important. Altuve sets the table at the top. Uh, then you've got Kyle Tucker who sits there in that five spot and drives in a hundred runs. He hasn't even been in the five spot most of the year. He was six earlier in the year. So. Uh, it's a very deep lineup, and and uh, when Jordan goes well, it's a battle-run difference when he's hot versus when he's not hot. In your mind, what is the biggest concern for Houston going forward? Does a five-day layoff hurt them in any way because they're playing so well, it seems, at the right time of year? Yeah, I guess. I, I think that would be a concern just because it's an unknown factor. We, they haven't had to wait before like this year where you're going to finish up, up the season on a Wednesday and not play again until Tuesday. As long as they stay healthy, there's no major concerns right now, which is crazy to think about. They tried to find a, an upgrade in center field, I think, at the trade deadline, but there wasn't really much out there. They ended up trading away the current race uh, center fielder, Jose Siri. But the bottom of the lineup occasionally gets a little stagnant, but you're, you're nitpicking. I mean, it's, it's, it's a quality team. They catch the ball. They throw the ball. They hit the ball. They do everything you're supposed to do to win baseball games. And I would say... You know, not being biased, I would say that that they should be the favorite to to represent the American League, and a lot of crazy stuff happens in the playoffs. But uh, I, I would be surprised if they didn't get to the World Series. And from your standpoint, who is the biggest threat long term in the West? Is it Seattle at this point because of their youth? Yeah, that's the team. I mean, the Angels can still build around two of the best players that have ever played the game. <laughs> it's crazy that they're not they don't have a winning record, but. The Mariners are, are stacked for the future, and I think they're the team that's going to be right there for the next five years or so, and maybe longer than that. Uh, you, you build around a guy like Julio Rodriguez, and Ty France is an incredible hitter that people don't talk about much. Eugenio Suarez found his power stroke as the season went along. J.P. Crawford, very solid at shortstop. They're good. They've got pitching. That, that's going to be the team to beat in 2023 and probably uh, for the next five years. And that's Astros broadcaster Todd Callis. Thanks to Todd and all the guests on the program today. Thanks as well to my producer, Derek Dubose. I'm Neil Solons. We're getting set for the Rays and the Jays on this Sunday, last regular season home game. And you are listening to the Rays Baseball Network. Thank you for listening to This Week in Rays Baseball. Breaking ball lifted to the air, way up there, into right field and deep. Judge is going back towards the corner at the wall. Gone! And the Rays jump in front four to one. If you missed any of the show, catch it on archive at RaysBaseball.com slash radio.